welcome to Astrology Bites. This is your host, Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of Twist Your Fate, Manifest Success with Astrology and Tarot. And I'm also the author of Astrology for Real Life, a no BS guide for the astral curious. I'm also your host for this podcast series. If you're curious about astrology, you are definitely in the right place. This is episode 167 of Astrology Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on astrology. My goal is to make astrology feel simple, clear, fun, and totally applicable to your everyday life. Alrighty, let's get into today's episode. Today we're talking about new moon magic, and my special guests are Risa Dickens and Amy Torok. Welcome, Risa and Amy. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Hi, Tarot Lady and community. This is so awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thank you both for being here today. I know that right now as we're recording it, Amy says there's a blizzard raging outside by y'all. Uh, we don't have that yet, but, you know, no better time than to hunker down and do a podcast than when there's a blizzard going on, in my opinion. So the first thing I want to talk about is the new moon. Why is it so important in magic? Why the new moon? I mean, the new moon for us is a place of opportunity. It's like this quiet moment where you can plant a seed or like listen to the seeds that are murmuring, right? Like there's a moment where the, the, the sun isn't casting its light on the moon. There's a moment where like she or they or it is just itself. It's like quiet in the dark and the stars are more bright and more brilliant. And we feel like there's this opportunity to pause. And if you are interested in astrology, which I think our community here is, right? And Teresa, you certainly are wise in these ways. We felt like it was a moment where you could kind of get to know the sign and the characteristics of the sign in a different way that there was like a portal in to a shadow part of the sign or into like just like a simple part of the sign like a heart of the sign that could let us tap into its potential in a way that could feel really empowering for us like for us that new moon time going back to the the quiet of it and the ease of it is really tied to anti-capitalism for us. And so those, those are the two pieces in the book really is like, how can we be in this rhythm and connect to these tools that are available to all of us for free to tap into our real potential to make magic in a way that imagines a better world. And I think Thank you, Risa. This is Amy. For those of you who are differing between our voices, thank you, Risa. And this is Amy. Um, I just want to add to that that, like, the the fertility of the darkness, you know, in a very practical sense, when you plant a seed, it has to be in whether you're sprouting microgreens or whether you're doing a tomato plant, it has to be in the darkness. It has to be in the darkness. That's where we begin this long process of germination is in the dark. So both literally and metaphorically, we we look at the dark as being a very, very fertile ground for the seeds that we plant again, whether those are seeds for what we want to do in our life or intellectual seeds or literal seeds or the seed of an idea. We just, we we envision this new moon time as being 
like a womb, like a super fertile space. I love some of the words you're using here, potential, womb, seeds, you know, all of these things and fertile really do show that this is a time where there is something that can begin, which really lines up again with the words new moon. I, I really love it. Those, you know, I'm a word nerd. So words like that are like, wow, that's really getting my attention. And I know for myself, I grew up with farm folks and, you know, farm folks, we always had an almanac and the almanacs told you certain days you plant your seeds. And a lot of times those would be right around that new moon time. So it makes sense that you would use it not just for gardening, but also for um, other types of gardening like magic. So what are some of the ways, I mean, when you talk about planting a seed in a magical way, what are some ideas on how people could work with the new moon? Let's say that they want to plant a seed of some sort that maybe they want to transform something in their life. What would you recommend? Yeah, I, 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 again, it's the same thing. I mean, our, our book that's coming out next year is, is centered around that very idea. Um, it's, it's about tools, but we don't conceive of tools in the same way. Like we saw a lot of like the tools you need to be a witch and it's like physical things like a cauldron or a cloak. And we love those things. And we also have those things, but we think of the tools of magic as things like dance, geometry, um, music, divination, the written word. And so we go through the year and we've sort of loosely assigned one of these tools per chapter to um, a sign of the Zodiac. So we go around the year and and one example is that music is in Leo's new moon. Because, you know, Leo does like a spotlight. And so why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we examine this tool? So that that's the real thrust of the whole project is your question of like, how do we maximize the fertility of this by allowing ourselves to try new things? And I think that that's kind of what we want people to do with the book is to, is to try new things. You know, maybe you're a writer, but you've never painted, or maybe, you know, you're a songstress, but you've never tried really working with math, then now is your opportunity. Interview like, um, you know, academics and artists and practitioners of all different kinds of spiritualities in writing this book. Like, I think there's over a hundred interviews in the book and that's my kid and she's just howling, which like, you know, if you think about a tool of magic you wanted to tap into, have you had a really good howl lately? <laughs> <laughs> hey, kids know how to get what they want, and so do cats. So do cats, by the way. My cat, every once in a while, has got to howl. And let me tell you something, that's how he manifests getting exactly what he wants. Yeah, yeah, we just got home. We were back up in the north in the mountains, and she was really upset. And for like five minutes, she alternated between yelling, don't talk and hold me and I love you. Don't talk, mom. Like putting her hand in my mouth, she's four. Don't talk, I love you. Don't so talk. relatable. Right. I, I learned I learn so much from Reese's daughter all the time. Just <laughs> like, though, that's the vocabulary I was looking for. Yeah. Thank you. Like she asked for exactly what she needed. And definitely I learned from her all the time. I, I, I was starting to say, you know, something, we talked about dance. So we interviewed all these different people, researchers, dance researchers, and, and thinking about like when dance was used 
to inspire magic. Like when dance was used to inspire revolution. So we talk about Cecile Fatima and the Haitian revolution. But then think if you want to build a relationship with dance, like if dance is something that has become so foreign to most of our bodies, it's so professionalized, so alienated, like how could you find that again? And the dance researcher that we spoke with was like, can you think of ways in which you're already dancing? Like, could you start on a new moon and identify moments where you could lean a little bit into a gesture and make it more like a dance? And listeners, if you could see us, um, Amy and I, and I think Teresa, maybe a tiny bit, are like, there's a little bit of a hint of a reed-like sway, right? Like, can we find it again in ourselves, that sense of connection? Can we allow ourselves to play and I think the new moon has often given me that. I think there's something about the cover of the new moon, the darkness of the new moon, where I'm like, well, no one can see me. So a little bit more of a kitchen dance might be in order. Right on. Hey, it never hurts to do a spontaneous jig. Why not plan it so it's going to do something for you? One of the things that also got my attention that Amy said is something about not needing the tools. And I think a lot of people assume when it comes to magic that you have to have all these, uh, I like to call them accessories. And, you know, so they'll feel like they have to invest in all the candles, all the herbs, all this and that. And, you know, for some people, frankly, they don't have access to all of that. So what do you think about, I mean, you mentioned not needing tools. Uh, I'd like to hear you elaborate a little more on that. We think that the witch is an anti-capitalist figure. Um, it's a, a community builder. Um, and I think that, again, the problem with the commercialization of witchcraft and these tools is that then they become produced um, unethically, um, both in terms of labor and materials. You know, everybody loves crystals, but if you're if your tool of magic is like hewn from the earth by by you know a, a, an enslaved child, then we believe that that affects the magic. <laughs> and so the first step for us is to realize that you don't need it. If you want it, great. And again, like I said, you know, uh, we we love those those accoutrements, those accessories. We do, and they and they they make us feel magical, but. I like I like to use the example of a book. You can buy a book. Mm-hmm. And it's going to it can sit on your shelf and you own the book. You have it. But until you read the book, it hasn't really done anything for you. It hasn't done anything to change the world. And so I think the way we use those accessories that we get is more magical than the accessories themselves. So again, that's really the thrust of the whole book is like mm-hmm. what deep a million year old unknown magic do you have already inside you in your dna in your very dna what magic is in there and that that's the hunt that we were on i love that so what about eclipses i want to ask we just had an eclipse here uh we just got through eclipse season let's put it that way i mean should you do magic during them or do you need to leave your magic alone during eclipses i know there's varying opinions on this so of course i i'm dying to hear what is your opinion on doing magic around let's say a new moon eclipse i'll say first of all like we are very practical witches like if you don't have 
childcare or whatever it is for the night of the big Wiccan ritual. And you have to do it on your own on the night, you know, like just your magic is yours. You don't have to get too particular. I don't think like, I think you can heighten your power and do it during the dark time and you can do it. You know, there's, there's, there's an energy and an eclipse that I think sometimes can be very powerful, but I don't know. I, we don't get too much into those debates that that happen in witch talk or in witch land that get real specific about that stuff. And I'm, there's probably better people to talk to about that. But I think for us, like we're we're real practical. Like if I have an urgent need in my life to talk to the universe, I'm I'm going to talk to the universe that day. You know what I mean? And she can hear me and I am in relationship with my ancestors and the moon is there for me. And like, if, if I'm two days off the new moon, like I can still feel that power. I, that's me. I'm not too, I'm not too finicky. I mean, you probably know a lot more about this than I do, Teresa, but that's how I feel. Well, I used yeah, to be, I, I like, Oh, go ahead, Amy. Sorry. No, I just wanted to say that um, uh, we like it both ways. You know, like we recognize that, um, that we were talking about gardening and the almanac and you, you plant at this time because the tidal pull, and th- this is, I'm using scare quotes here, people, this is real. You know, we know that the, the pull of the moon affects the tides and we know that the tides affect the water level in your soil. So you want to plant depending, again, it depends. It depends on what you're planting and how much um, basic or acidic or how how dry it needs the soil to be or how wet it needs the soil to be. So again, I, I kind of like that to apply that it depends logic and answer to <laughs> to everything you know some people say that like eclipse magic it's it's just too much it's it's too chaotic it, it, it's it's so uncontrollable that maybe you shouldn't do spells there but maybe that's what you're trying to tap into maybe you're trying to tap into something chaotic that you can't maybe you're too controlled and so maybe like let's let's throw a spell during the height of an eclipse and see what happens i mean i don't think that I don't think that something very bad is going to happen, but I uh, I also have to like leave that as Pixie Coleman Smith calls it the 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 door to the unknown country. I like to leave that open to think that if we are plants and animals, which we are, then maybe there is a much better time to do this spell based on where the moon is than at a different time. So yeah, we like it both ways. Well, I like it both ways too. I mean, I know that there are some people who really caution against it and I'm born near an eclipse. So I've never found eclipses to be problematic for me in terms of any kind of intention setting or magical work. But I've known other people who've done some magic and had it boomerang and really surprise them. You know, eclipses can be kind of shocking like that. So when you say it depends, I think it also depends on the person because for some of us, it's like, no big deal. Other people's like, oh my God, this eclipse, let me lay low. So That's exactly right. That's um, exactly right. You had also mentioned about, you know, different themes for the moons. So if you could just give me, I mean, we've got a new moon in Sagittarius coming up real soon. What would be something people could do that would be really simple during the new moon in Sagittarius to maybe amplify or manifest something that they want what would you recommend yeah Sagittarius we write about potions and poisons during Sagittarius so we're thinking a lot about 
what is that spectrum between potion and poison, right? There's that, that famous Paracelsus that the potion is in the dose that, and the potion is also always so much in who the receiver is and where they're at in their journey. Um, so yeah, coming into Sagittarius new moon, I mean, this is also, it's, it's, celebration time in so many cultures right so a such a simple spell is like to make something with love from an ancestor culture of yours and share it with your neighbors like walk make a connection with a neighbor make an offering to a real human being make a real connection and make an offering to a spirit that you feel connected to. So can you both share it in a spirit of radical community and in a spirit of even more radical community with a tree <laughs> yeah. or, you know, with an animal or with a spirit that you're trying to understand better in your life? I think that taking that time, I don't know, for us, it's a lot of like, there's old recipes, old baking recipes, Danish cookies. And there's like one soup that I make every time somebody in my family is sad, you know, it's like, it's mom's magical potato soup. Like, can I turn the lights down low? You know, can I have candles? Can we just like bring time a little bit slower, make some food for my family, talk to my own, like, biome and my own ancestors put some on the ancestor altar and just remember like how much power there is in the simple act of of feeding each other tending to each other's needs yeah and i mean that that kind of returns to this like practicality notion that risa brought up before that for us a a soup is a potion you know i've been i've been baking bread from scratch for years now i'm still not great at it but literally every single time i put the yeast and the warm water together it's a marvel it is a magic potion that is alive so yeah for sagittarius it's a great time to experiment with potions especially love potions but the communal love that reese is talking about about you know delivering a baked a homemade baked good to a neighbor well, you are inspiring me to, I'm going to bake a coffee cake right after I'm done talking to y'all because I love to bake. And I, I think the idea, I think food is magic. I mean, just the thought of you put it in your mouth and you chew it and it becomes nourishment and it helps you to grow and it provides energy. I mean, food is magic. So that is something that is very simple. It's very practical, but it's very true. And I have to tell you, I have a superstition. And this is a food thing, too. I never eat food prepared by somebody that I don't like. Because I always am like, I do not want to take in that energy. If it's someone I love, that's great. If it's somebody that I'm kind of like, ooh, I'm not going to eat it because I don't want to take that in. And that's magic, too. Just, you know, some of these weird superstitions that we have. Yeah, definitely. I'll say one more because this is like a a little kid one, you know, and we're talking about little kid magic. My daughter likes to help make the coffee in the morning. And so she's in charge of like, we, we grind the beans, we put them in the French press thing. And she likes to stir it with a long wooden spoon. And she knows when you stir it clockwise, you whisper into it all the things you want to grow, all the things you want more of, you know, and it's a way of bonding. Like, I want to hear what she wants more of. I want to hear what, 
what she's hoping will grow, you know? And then when she stirs it the other way, you whisper all the things you want to go away, you know? And that's also like, what's worrying you? Tell me, it's okay. We're going we're gonna to put it in the coffee and it's going to go away as we stir it. And then sometimes she gets to choose, like, do we need a little bit of cinnamon? Do we need a little, like, their mom and dad need a little spice in their lives today? Do we put a little chocolate at the bottom? Like, what's the spell for the morning for the family, you know? And then she puts a little chocolate or cinnamon in her steamed oat milk for the day. I don't know. It's a kid potion, but it's like a daily act of ritualizing your connection to each other and to your emotions. And it's so beautiful. But again... This is practical, simple magic, and it's something anybody can do. And we can even do that every single day and not just wait for the new moon. Now, you have both been talking about the book. Um, you have a book coming out next year. It's called New Moon Magic, 13 Anti-Capitalist Tools for Resistment and Reenchantment. I would love to hear more about this book because uh, this sounds like it's right up my alley and I know my audience is going to be totally jamming on this. Tell me more about the book. How did it come about? Uh, it's coming out, I think, next September 2023. What do we need to know about your book? Um, well, I do want to say that what, when we were talking before we hit record, you referred to yourself as an old school punk rocker. So I think, yeah, I mean, that that's what it is. Um, in terms of resistance and reenchantment, you know, like, obviously, there are many things that we have to resist, you know, capitalism, religious patriarchy and heteronormativity and all of those things that we're working against. However, for us, the revolution needs something to be working toward as well. We're working toward this a magical and joyful and sustainable life for everyone as much as that's that's humanly and and oddkin possible um so yeah for us it, it it's super important to have both to to recognize what we're working against and to recognize what we're working toward and oftentimes most times we find that a single action can be both of those things and so that's what we wanted to bring to this book is this, again, this spirit that you don't need to buy anything to do magic. Also, this notion that the things that we do every day, like Risa talking about making coffee and ritualizing that, how these things can literally change our life. How how we do things, not just what we do, but how we do them is how we change the world. You know, individual change begets cultural change. And... That's what we're looking for. Yeah, I'll add that we wrote a first book by accident. We we have a we started a podcast because we're like best friends, solitary practicing, which is we get together and make music and do spells and it changed our lives and it was really fucking fun. And we started, we wanted to research more. We wanted to find more true stories about witches and practitioners from different cultures. And we had such a hard time finding stories about like women and queer people and black people and Indian people and like people of a diverse spectrum that had made magic, that had made the world more magic. And so we were like, okay, let's start this thing. You research and tell a story, I'll research and tell a story. And Amy was like, let's also interview people. And like, let's get to know. And we thought nobody would listen, but we were just like, it was a project of self-education and just delight. 
um, and it's called Missing Witches. And we had so much fun doing it and we found a community. And along the way, we accidentally wrote this book because we were writing these essays. So we wrote a book called Missing Witches, Reclaiming True Histories of Feminist Magic. Shout out it's, to our it, It's editor. recovering. Recovering. recovering true histories of feminist magic but that's fine if you google missing witches blank histories of feminist magic then i'm sure you'll get it <laughs> i'm making the face of someone who has messed up the title of their own book um yeah that's how that's how we roll though dog come on <laughs> let's give ourselves a break we're anti-capitalists we can't be perfect all the time and nor should we try to be no perfection is an illusion so that was that process and then this book we you know, we had done more research and had done more interviews. We had a lot more stories to tell. We found ourselves with a lot more stories to tell. And we wanted to take the perspective this time going through these stories from the idea of these tools that you don't have to buy that can bring profound magic to your life and help in the resistance. Um, and that can root us in this really magical time in the lunar cycle. Um, and so the book is this weird combination that we ended up doing because we had our own podcast that sort of moves between really, really personal memoir stuff and deeply researched histories of magical practitioners who blew our minds and continue to teach us everything and interviews with people. Um, so it's that, and then there's incantations that we wrote and ideas for rituals. And so it's a strange hodgepodge that we feel really lucky to get to do in the way that we felt was like the right weird rhythm for us. Amazing. So your book, uh, Missing Witches, it's available now online and off, uh, wherever books are sold. And of course, folks can ask their local metaphysical shops and bookstores to carry the book. And when New Moon Magic, 13 Anti-Capitalist Tools for Resistance and Reenchantment comes out September of 2023. Don't forget, folks, pre-orders mean everything. So you're going to want to pre-order the book. And certainly, again, you can order it online or off uh, wherever books are sold. And once again, please, please ask your your local indie shops, your local, you know, metaphysical shops, let them know you want these books in stock, because that's how we're able to help the authors, and also to let the metaphysical and bookstores know that, hey, these are the types of books that we want to see in stock on your shelves. I want to thank you both, uh, Risa and Amy, for making time to talk with me today about New Moon Magic and about your books. Uh, where can people find you if they want to listen to the podcast or learn more about you and any other thing that you're up to? We do a podcast called Missing Witches. Uh, it's at missingwitches.com and on all of the streaming places where the people get the podcasts. And we're Missing Witches on all the social medias. We're mostly on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time today. And so for everyone who's listening, that's a wrap. And of course, I want to remind you if that you are enjoying the show, I'd love you to do me a solid. Get on over to iTunes and leave a kind review because that is the best way to help new listeners discover the show. And of course, you know how much I deeply appreciate that. And for more fun stuff, head over to my website, thetarolady.com. You'll find tons of resources about tarot and astrology including my free monthly forecasts and horoscopes and so much more. Again, that's the I'll see you there. And remember, 
no matter what's going on in the cosmos today, ultimately you are in charge of your life. You're in the driver's seat. If you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change the course. You're the boss and you've got that power. Be kind to yourself and others and make smart decisions. I'll see you in the next episode.